let's weave a tale. Yeah. A tale of Hugo Waving <laughs> in the movie V for Vendetta. I don't know what accent that was, but I'm leaving it in. I liked it. Hi, and welcome to Behind the Hype. I'm your host, as always, Brian Dresso. With me, as always, is Chewy Darso. Hi. Weaving her tail. And Jonathan Hardesty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's just so easy. His last name is Weaving. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, speaking is of it weaving or weaving? Weaving? You're putting an H in there. That's weird. I mean, if you just abbreviate his name, I guess he's H weaving, weaving. Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> How do you like that? Weaving, weaving. Um, speaking of things that are easy, today is the fifth of November when you're listening to this episode. So how could we not do V for Vendetta? I didn't even do it on purpose. It just was magic. It's 2020, guys. Yeah, everything cool was supposed to happen in 2020. Our our Halloween was on a Saturday with a full moon. With a full moon, there's so many cool things that could have happened in 2020, and instead, 2020 happened. And for us, the election is currently a mystery, so maybe Uh, something good happened, maybe something terrible happened. We might sound bright and upbeat because we don't know that Trump won yet, and we, uh, you know, we're still (laughs) living in the before times, and maybe we sound bright and upbeat because Biden won, and everything is going to be okay. Right, although if, if, like... Trump wins, isn't it still the before times, but just after the before times? No. Same times? I, I think it's just current times. <laughs> current. It'll be 2020 for the next four fucking years. <sighs> it's going to make writing checks easier. It's oh. been 2020 for a really long time. It really has. For four years. Mm-hmm. The, the bigger problem is, is that we are now going to review a movie that is shockingly similar to today's times, and, believe it or not, takes place... In 2020. Does it? <laughs> it does. Oh my god. <laughs> v is that for like on the official synopsis or something? It is. The uh, The comic book takes place in 1997. The book takes place in 20... Or the comic 1997, movie 2020. Oh That's man. That's amazing. I didn't catch that. <laughs> it's, it's meant to be. Yeah. Uh, so who knew that V for Vendetta was calling out the future and we're all just like... What a fun comic book movie. It's like, no, no, no. There's going to be tyrannical governments, and there's going to be a plague that's going to take out, like, hundreds of thousands of people. But you, this movie's going to freak out about 80,000 dead. <laughs> We're at, like, 250. <laughs> Move aside, 80,000. <laughs> the only thing the movie got wrong was that it didn't shoot the stars high enough. <laughs> <laughs> and that it's in England. Uh, I mean, England's not having a great time with Boris Johnson. We could no. have uh, we could have Matt back on who'd tell us all about how much he loves him. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let's just talk about the movie that's... <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about current events or politics the, or anything like, like that. Where apparently... Yeah. Now V for Vendetta. <laughs> someone else was cast to play V, but he was not menacing enough, so they recasted him to be Hugo Weaving. Yeah, I was going to say that for a little bit later on, but that is a very good point to bring up. Like, that is... It's like, this movie needed its hero to be more menacing. Yeah, like, this <laughs> this movie wasn't 2020 enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had to amp it up. So uh, let's do a very quick breakdown of this movie, and then we'll start talking about the, the bits and bobs, if you will. Um, that sounds like a British phrase, the right? bits and bobs. I was going to try to do a British accent throughout the entire episode before we start recording. Oh, man. Recording. Matt and, is uh, just, like, sighing heavily at us. I think, I think he just oh, he probably did a little happy dance. You know what would be amazing to do a cross-cosplay uh, thing of V as Mary Poppins? That would be pretty good. Anyhow, breakdown. Let's do a breakdown. <laughs> We're having trouble getting this one going. Um, so, breakdown. This yes. movie starts with some carnage, kind of. It's like, it's a, 
montage of V getting ready and Evie getting ready. One's just putting on his, uh, you know, costume, and the other one's putting on a nice dress. And then she goes for a little walk uh, after curfew, which it really feels like her character would know is a bad idea. Uh, and then she runs into these secret police, the Fingermen, yep, is that what Fingerman. they're called? Uh, and they're super rapey. Like, oh my god, the rape puns is way too much. Yeah, they're ready to go. Uh, yeah, that was a bit... <laughs> he steps a bit in, like... <laughs> and he demolishes them. He doesn't quite kill them, but he does embarrass them, get them to stop trying to rape her. Uh, and then it moves on from there, where V just happens to want to take over Evie's workplace, which happens to be the TV station. And he... Oh, wait. First, he blows up. Which building did he blow up? In the beginning? Yeah, I'm not... Since I'm not from England, I'm not super familiar with other. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember the name of the building, but it had the the with statue the of the the woman with the, the Law and Order the uh, scales. So he blows that up, and he gets a lot of attention over it. And Evie's freaked out. So okay, then back to her place, her place of work, and he takes over the news station and does this whole thing on the news, where he's like, "Come the fifth of November next year, I'm gonna blow up Parliament," and. Everyone's freaking out because how could this man take over? And he gets away from the cops uh, and he takes Evie with him. And she finds out he lives underground somewhere. Uh, she's not super fa fan of it. And there's an inspector looking for both of them. She has to pretend to be a hooker for a moment. She tries to get away from V. V's like, oh my God. They <laughs> killed the priest. There's so many little details, it's hard for me yeah, to no, just gloss over it. I think you can uh, gloss over the majority of it. Like, this movie's just a lot of window dressing. Yeah, like so Evie, Evie is unhappy with V, so she goes to her other friend, and she's happy with him, but turns out he is an antagonist uh, and gets himself killed by doing a comedy sketch. Uh, so Evie ends up getting caught by the police, which turns out to be V later on, and he's been torturing her for a bunch of times, so she no longer feels fear. Uh, it's problematic. And so then he lets V go again, and she feels freedom, and they both wait for the 5th of November, they get back together, he's put a bunch of bombs in a train, he's like, you get to flip the switch. He's like, why me? Because someone else needs to do it who's not me because of stuff. Uh, then he goes and he fights Creedy, and he... Wins and loses. He knows he's going to die. So it's really just a win-win because he wanted to die. And uh, they blow up Parliament and he is everyone. He is yeah. my brother. He is my father. He is my wa girlfriend. He is this. He's that. He is you. He is me. Da -da 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 he is Spartacus. We get it. Spartacus. <laughs> uh, and it's just a very cathartic Foxicus. ending. Yeah. <laughs> he's Guy Foxicus. Oh, Guy Foxicus. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah, the when this movie came out, fucking what, fifteen years ago, maybe, just about. Let's see. I don't remember. Um, Two thousand five. So yeah, about yeah. fifteen years ago. Wow, fifteen um, years. Good lord. I, I think I watched this movie all the fucking time when it hit DVD. Uh, I still have my original DVD, which we had to watch last night. Uh, and and I gotta say, I haven't watched it in a long time, and. Man, it has not aged very well for me. Like, I still think no. the 
his performance, specifically Hugo Weaven's performance, is amazing. And the other good one, I hate saying it because I fucking hate the dude. Stephen Fry does a really good job, just because I know who Stephen Fry is, and he is not this warm, loving man no. that he plays here. So that's a really good performance. <laughs> like, fuck, that dude can act and hate people wildly. Um, but otherwise, the rest of the movie, I think the front half is spectacular. I think it's engaging. I think it is a good balance of, like, somewhat comic booky, but definitely more of the Alan Moore range action. So, like, not, like, you know, Marvel, but, you know, a little, like, punchy-punchy, stabby-stabby, but let's not go too insane with it. Uh, mixed with, like, political brouhaha. And I, I think they strike the balance good. I think they have the characters right. I think everything kind of works. And then from pretty much the moment V kidnaps to torture her on, I think the movie gets, I'd say, like, two out of five. Like, it's it's okay. In my mind, like, it just, it's, the holes are just so easy to poke. Yeah. From that moment on. It's like, yeah. what? Why did you do this again? Like, you wanted her to f live without fear. Okay. So you orchestrated a fake thing? Like, that would just so distrust. That wouldn't make her unafraid. That would make her the most afraid person ever. And then the second she's, like, realizing that, he just tries to, like, shout at her to make her fall into his way of thinking thinking and she doesn't fully get there and i think that's why she ultimately like is better than v like because she is like she hangs on to humanity while still needing vengeance i think is what they're trying to go for i don't know this is a massive form of gaslighting yeah it was just yeah like, i was cringing the whole that whole basically from then on with her with her and him and the whole situation i was like what is what do you what's this point what's the point what are you trying to do this isn't coming across the right way and it, it always kind of rubbed me wrong a little bit, but not to the point where it ever, like, was movie-breaking. And this time, I couldn't get past it. Like, the, the back half of the movie, I'm just like, I like the cop story. Like, the cop trying to figure out who he is, and just by being, A, a good detective, and B, he's like, I'm a cop, I need to know the truth. Like, I just like that his deal is like, I know it's not good for me, but I need to know. I just yeah. need to know. And I think that the actor and the performance and all of that was spectacular. It's the example of an unbiased professional stuck in an extremely biased world. Yeah, and I, I think that guy is phenomenal throughout. I should probably look up his name. Uh, Stephen um, Ray. Yes, thank you. And I, I think he did a, just a fantastic job throughout the entire movie, and he gets overshadowed by, you know, obviously he go weaving with his mask and his theatrics and everything, and then Natalie Portman, this is... Uh, probably, she did, she did okay. It's... It, she didn't really have a lot to do in a movie that she should have a ton to do. And I don't know if that's her fault or the director's, um, but it just didn't feel like they stuck the landing for Evie. Like, it no, didn't quite she doesn't connect. really do anything. No, she's reactionary the whole way through. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem with her character. She's there to give humanity to V. Yes. Right. That's about it. And not to think for herself or be... like. Uh, She's not very smart in this movie. And, and no. as we were going through the breakdown, it kind of reminded myself that because it was like, there are so many times where it's like, can't you see what he's doing? Can't I mean, you see Alan through this? Moore is a good writer, but it's not like he's great with women. No, but you can't knock Alan Moore too much. He, he fucking, this is the first movie that he said, take my name off of it. 
Yeah, oh, I want true. nothing to do. Like this was. His I never read the comic, so maybe she's got more agency in that. And, and I, I should have reread the comic before this episode because I, I I read it back when the movie first came out. I'm like, ooh, I love the movie. I want to read the book, and then I don't really remember it because I just kept watching the fucking movie. The only thing is, yeah, that I really, yeah, same situation thing, for me. Yeah, the major thing I remember was the ending was a little different. Like I know the whole like he wanted the whole of London to be like down with the government, and in the book he's just like, if I can convince one person, I've done my job. So it's not quite as like uplifting of an ending as the movie is. Um, but otherwise, I don't really remember a lot of the differences. And I think it tried to stay quote unquote faithful. Obviously, there's differences because <laughs> the book was a commentary on uh, Margaret Thatcher's stuff, and the movie's more on like it's a really weird way to do it. But you know, whatever. It's a br- an American movie taking place in England to commentary on American politics. Yeah, Very it was a strange idea. <laughs> already, oh, already a problem to from the get go. American politics. This is supposed to be commentary on the Patriot Act by the Bush administration. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah right. I can tell you, that like, Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's well, tough and, for us and to and watch. I, it I do remember. Uh, yeah, I do remember hate like not liking the movie when I saw it because it was like the book is so much better. You know that 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 bullshit thing. Yeah. But the reasons for it are starting to kind of come into play as we're talking about this. Like what we just said seconds ago. American politics set in Britain like oh yeah no the movie was trying to do something completely different than what the book did and it felt different just the way they approached it even the V in the movie feels felt different from the the book even though they he's saying largely similar things and there's a lot of things that are the same on paper it's just no the book was going for something specific and this one was trying to cover it all yeah and it, it kind of just goes after the the, what a horrible idea it is to attempt to do Alan Moore anything. I think people have done it well. I still really enjoy the Watchmen movie. Um, that might be the end of the list. But like, it, <laughs> it can be done well. It's just, it's very difficult. Like, Alan Moore writes amazing comic books that should be mm-hmm. consumed as comic books. No matter how much I like the Watchmen movie, and I haven't watched the HBO show yet, I will at some point. Um, the book is still amazing. So it's just kind of tough. Like, yeah, V for Vendetta is an amazing book. And the movie isn't yeah. bad. It's not a bad movie. The things that work really work. We'll get to Hugo Weaving in a minute because that is what works in the movie, at least as far as my money's worth. Um, oh, the guy who plays Creedy works. Oh, my God. Creedy is so good. And fucking John Hurt. John Hurt crushed yeah. that role. It, where he was Have we found a, t- a thing that John Hurt day. hasn't crushed lately? I mean living <laughs> R.A.P. John Hurt <laughs> yeah clearly you want him to rest in peace <laughs> I was not expecting he that had, response you said <laughs> lately so <laughs> pack it up pack it up <laughs> she's not wrong <laughs> she's doing a pretty shit job at living <laughs> how dare he <laughs> But to John's point, yes, John Hurt is always good. And <laughs> and the thing is, like, for me in this movie is I love seeing John Hurt play a bad guy. Because mm. I always remember John Hurt as, like, not necessarily a bad guy. Like, he might play a bad person who is a good guy. I'm talking about the Doctor Who special where he is, like, he is the worst doctor, but he means he's well. He's the war doctor. The he war had a doctor. job. Yeah. Like, but he just can play pretty much any role, and he always does it phenomenally. And, like, this one for me in particular, I always remember, because he always kind of reminds me of, like, the, and I'm sure this was intentional, of the the talking head and that old, uh, like, first million-dollar commercial in the Super Bowl, the 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 Mac one with a girl running with a hammer mm. and she chucks it. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think and that's I, what I'm, they, 
they even shot it that way i, th- I think like that's i can only help but see that yeah I, I think it was intentional if not it was just like if it wasn't a reference it was just like referential like, mm-hmm. um but I liked it, and it worked. And I also liked that, like, whoever set up this fucking government agency, like, clearly they knew, like, all right, so this guy is going to fucking enslave the whole country, and people probably going to get mad at him, so we need to fucking hide him. He can't even be in his room at advisors. Like, he needs to be in a bunker somewhere safe. <coughs> Trump. Um, hmm. So I, I – but whoever decided to set up his, uh, his Zoom call I think is hilarious because it's not like, oh, I want to see, like, chest up so we can have, like, a presentable – Figure. It's like, no, I want it in tight on face. his face so he is yelling at you whenever he's talking to you. See all of his teeth and everything. <laughs> and it just works so well when he's like, like the the moment when they're talking about how uh, Parliament's going to get blown up. And they're like, well, there's been two reports. The first report, and clearly the most real one, is the attack will come from air because that's the only way to reach Parliament. And there's some other bullshit report that was done about some trains and stuff. And you just have that like... <laughs> From the cop. Who, yeah. <laughs> Who did that? And it's just like that best, like, ah, fuck. He's going to yell at you again. <laughs> How dare you. <laughs> that exchange is amazing. I, I think I, I laugh. Not not in derision. I thought it was just a delightful scene because of the acting involved. Oh, yeah. Like, like John Hurt, just he chose the exact amount of scenery to not make it, like, comical and crazy. But enough where it's just like, that guy's a lunatic and he's horrifying. Like, I, I think... He just did such a good job in this movie. I didn't really... I wasn't super afraid of Sutler. I was definitely like, I don't ever want to be in the room with Creedy. Well, no, Creedy is a far more terrifying thing is he will murder you because you don't matter. Sutler's afraid is scary because he's smart and he is able to orchestrate this entire fucking thing. His oh. biggest problem was turning on his right-hand man. If he hadn't done that, he'd still be in power. Yeah. Like, he is the, yeah. the worst kind of leader because he's insanely evil and insanely smart. And I think John Hurt nailed both of that without having to have to like pontificate on like the complexities of the universe. You yeah. got that he was intelligent and dangerous. Totally. So go John Hurt in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a slow uh, lazy eye, which I'd never caught on to before. I, I don't think I ever would have if it wasn't for this, that super tight camera thing. Yeah. Uh, who else was good in this movie? Yeah. There's not really a lot to say about Natalie Portman. I feel kind of bad. Just I just want to talk about the the Creedy of it all. Oh, who played yeah. by Tim Pigot Smith? Pigot Smith? Or is I don't know. Sure. It's it's a French middle name. Is it Pigot Smith? I don't know. Just it might be those T's. I, I don't know. Uh, but my lord, that man, like the little. It wasn't even stink face. Like you can't even call it that. <laughs> it's not resting bitch face. It's just, oh, it's, it's like, definitely resting bitch like, face. It's, much more it's like resting villain face, really. Face. <laughs> yeah, resting villain or murder face. I like both uh, of these. This is... Murder face. Are you currently murdering somebody? It's... Yes. Oh, many people. Uh, Harvey face. I just loved how he leaned in and out of shadows all the time. Oh. It was so well done. He just looked so menacing. Oh, man. And I liked that he was also a botanist. <laughs> Another guy not crushing it at living right now. Oh, oh is he? Did he pass on? <laughs> 2017. Oh, not too old. He only got to 70. Oh, yeah. That's too Poor bad. Poor guy. Yeah. That means he was in his 50s when he made this movie. Huh. Hmm. How about that? <laughs> he looked older than that, I guess. I think this is the bald head. Uh, it's tough to guess age when people are bald. Um... But yeah, he essentially plays the head of the SS, the fingerman or whatever, the 
hand of the government that's also super oppressive. You can't be gay. You can't be non-religious. You can't do anything against the policy. Not just non-religious. You can't be non-Christian. You yeah, have to be Christian. Non- yeah. The... It's interesting with uh, Stephen Fry's character, Dietrich, when they said, you know, they might have let him go until they found a Quran in his place, and then they executed him. Like, whoa. <laughs> awesome. It's not even like, he, like he's not even... Oh, I don't even know how to say Oh, man. I fucking... You gotta love tyrannical governments, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh... Fucking hell. But no, that actor, he does such a good job, especially... Like, the thing that I liked about him in the role specifically was uh, he does a lot of a lot of talking without words. Like, he does everything through mannerisms and facial expressions. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking uh, of the scene with V in, their, in his greenhouse with a knife at his throat. And he's basically giving that ultimatum, like, help me and you can kill me. Give, me. give me your boss, who's about to turn on you, and you know he's about to turn on you. The scene, I think, takes place in the wrong place in the cut, in my opinion. A because too early. Yeah, they talk about how, like, he's been turning on you, and so far he hasn't, and then after, from that moment on, he is turning on him. Well, I think it's just, I think that's V manipulating him, putting that seed of, like, suspicion into him. Oh, because when be. you're a character yeah. like Creedy, when you are destroying everyone around you, you, do, you also don't trust anyone around you, because if you're capable of such things, everyone else is too. Yeah, and that is, I mean, we'll get, like I said, we'll, I keep putting Hugo Weaving at the end, but... That scene does get a little Agent Smithy. Like even that conversation's <laughs> a little like all about like cause and like uh, cause and effect. And it's like I think I've heard this speech before. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple like oh that kind of sounds like the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but I love that scene because he's saying all these things that Creedy probably knows to be true, including like the a man as smart as you would know this is going to happen. A man as smart as you would have a plan for this when it happens. Mm. And, like, as he's saying it, Creedy's face is just stone. And it's, like, everything. You can just see it. And he does such a good job of, like, this is my poker face, even though you can read everything on it. Yep, you're right. Every single box you just said, check, 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 check. I'm easily manipulated, even though I really shouldn't be. (laughs) And it's just that thing of, like, I was afraid I was easily manipulated. I've been telling myself I'm not. And other people can see it. Fuck, I am. (laughs) And it's, like, he just... All of this emotion, all of this character development, everything, not a single word. It's all just done in his face and physical mannerisms. And I think this that guy crushed it too. Him and fucking John Hurt. Woo. Yeah. Ooh. No, I, I, these types of things I find myself in the movie being like, well, I want more Creedy. <laughs> as creepy as he is, it's just like that that angle, his character, everything he, they're doing and his acting just makes me want to see more of that in this movie. Like I, I was trying to find things to latch on into because there's a lot of – like you said earlier, this doesn't age very well for me. But these performances that popped out, I was really grasping at them because I was like, this is where I'm getting pulled in. And yeah, Creedy it, was the main one. Just, there's so much power there with so little said. And it's great. And John, I, I challenge you just one thing. You say you want more of it. Now, do you think that you would actually want more of the characters, like specifically, like say, the John Hurt character and the, the Creedy character, if the other movie was as up to par with those characters? Because I... Personally, I think both of them are in the movie the per- like the right amount. Like, I don't think we I, need any more for the purposes of the movie. I just think that they're the high points, and it's just a shame that everything else can't quite match it. That could be it. I, I could I could, I could uh, go with that. Uh, that just the other parts left me wanting so much that uh, I kind of felt like I needed more than these little islands. 
yeah. to stand on for this movie. And they're so good. They're so just exceptional in a not exceptional movie. And it was painful, but these parts were great. But so, yeah, I would, I, I would agree with your assessment of that. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting if the rest of the movie was as good as this because I I remember like back when it came out and like man that movie was phenomenal and then I like I I used to do this thing where like I wouldn't look at any review for the movies until I'd seen them so I could make it my own mind and then I for some reason stopped doing that as I got older although that's stupid uh, I should go <laughs> back to doing that um, and I remember I got home and I was reading the reviews and like I think it had like a sixty on Metacritic like most reviews were like two out of four three out of five like. You know, good, not great. And I'm like, what are they talking about? The movie was fucking incredible. And now in my 30s, I'm like, ah, they were right. Yeah. <laughs> there's only, in the, yeah, there's a lot of characters in this movie. Only three of them are women. You can't count Evie's mom. She uh, she gets like one line. Yeah. Maybe. Evie, hide. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a line. So you have Delia the coroner slash evil doctor. Yep. You have Evie and you have Valerie who is all exposition in a way. Well, she's motivation for Evie and V. She, she's like a duo. My purpose is to motivate you. She's the, the same woman shoved in two, two refrigerators. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> right. Then, yeah, and the way they set Evie's her up too. Evie's our heroine who doesn't really do anything. She yeah. does blow up Parliament. Yeah, after V pretty much tells her to. Yeah, yeah, no, she does what he tells her to do, and she conforms to what he wants out of her. And even with the Valerie thing, like, after their conversation, it's like, sure, she's real, but is she real, or is this still more of the V gaslighting? Because the on-off switch for that gaslighting that he does never stopped until he died. And even then, it still kind of kept going. Like, what... Who's thinking for themselves here? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think Valerie was a legitimate real person, and she probably did those things. Like she probably slipped the note to V. I think all that probably happened. I, I just think that, yes, she's real. Yes, these events happened to her, but still you're using her now to try to shape somebody else. So, like, mm-hmm. it, it's still like, yeah, she's real, but in a way, because of the way you're using her, she's not. Does that make yeah. sense in a yeah. weird way? I- but also the way the movie presents it too it's just that you can't help but question it immediately as yeah. soon as you see it even though you see the roses even though you see her uh, posters it's like well you've just undone everything that I thought about uh, Natalie Portman's character Evie her imprisonment her imprisonment you've just undone all that it was just a, a torture thing to, for her to learn to have no fear so was this it too and we're not supposed to be thinking that about the Valerie character right we're supposed to be getting into that whole idea the inspiration and the fighting for it and fighting through it but yeah, the movie just kind of bumbles that a bit. Yeah, a, a little bit. I, I I don't mind the flashback sequence. I think they did a good job with it. But I, I agree with what you're saying. Where basically by having it all be a lie, it kind of undercuts the emotional weight of that. Because you're both betrayed by like you and the audience, and you know, obviously to a much greater extent, Natalie Portman's character Evie, were both betrayed by V as an unreliable narrator. So in turn, he also makes Valerie kind of an unreliable narrator because she's saying these le- like she's sending these letters that essentially say like I love you because you're the only person I can tell my story to. She wasn't talking to Natalie Portman. Like that, that just that didn't happen. Yes, it did, but it also didn't. It just a movie yeah, like this. It, it like, I shouldn't just stop and think too like much this. about it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so if that's kind of everything else in the movie that this kind of does and doesn't work. One, I want to say one uh, hole that annoys me that I'm not really, tell me if there's a, there's something you can fill it with and if, or if it's just a thing. Because <laughs> the roses, the Scarlet Carson rose uh, that V leaves at his murder sites. Yeah. Delia says, oh, I realized it was you when I was given this rose today. But then when Evie is reading the letter from Valerie, Valerie mentions that she has Scarlet Carson roses in her apartment from her girlfriend. Right. And for three years she had roses. So when... When he was at the hospital, would he have had these roses for the doctor to associate the roses with him? Speed Force. <laughs> it's just a weird little thing in the movie when you realize. Yeah, I get what you're saying, and I agree with the, you completely. The, you assume that the reason he likes these roses is because of Valerie's letter. He would not have these roses at the at the hospital. No, and unless he's fucking outing his cellmate. Or the woman sending this letter is like, I got another letter today. She talked about roses. I love those roses. I've never seen them because I think they're going extinct or whatever. Or that's kind of what mm-hmm. the lady says later. But it's like, no, nah, man, they're fucking cool. All right, get on with the torture. Do you want to hear about roses some more? Like, did he yeah, just never shut up about them? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. No, no, you're uh, you're spot on the money right there. And we shouldn't be thinking about that in this movie. Like, that that's the problem. <laughs> It's like, well, oh, I didn't think we're, about we're it busy with the roses, the, movie, the stupid roses. Later. Yeah, to be fair, I didn't think about it until right now, so... Right. But now I can't stop thinking it. about it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's actually dive into the, the main man himself. Uh, I, I gotta say, so Hugo Weaving, I had to look it up because I, I'm a big fan of Doom Patrol. I think Doom Patrol is one of the best shows on TV. If you're not watching it, you should be. Um, but I think one of the ways, not I think, I know, one of the ways that movie, that show saves money is they have Matt Bomer and Brendan Fraser playing two of the lead characters. It's a fuckload cheaper to get them to do voiceover than actually have them on set. And both their characters wear, are covered head to toe 100% of the time, except for like a few flashbacks here and there, so they're just never on set. So I was convinced that this movie probably did the same thing with Hugo Weaving, like, because why the fuck wouldn't you? It's way right. cheaper. Hugo uh, Weaving wasn't quite the powerhouse yet i don't think i mean this is after the matrix so like you this is and it is after lord of the rings at least one of them yeah whatever sorry at least one of them i'm not sure how many but yeah so he he's hugo weaving he was one of the names attached to the film Mm -hmm. like it's natalie portman and hugo weaving in v for vendetta um but he was on set. He was in the mask, except for I think it's like the first scene with him is the original actor who is uh, I'm forgetting his name now. But he was a uh, he was the bad guy in Resident Evil. If that helps you. He was the one who chucked the virus that started the whole thing. That really yeah oh. that was who, yeah he's not as menacing. No, he's nowhere near as menacing. Um, not a bad actor. I actually really like that guy. Whenever he pops up, I think he's pretty decent. And uh, he just couldn't quite pull this one off. So four weeks into shooting, he got fired. Uh, <laughs> poor guy, uh, and no one's ever seen his scenes again. It's kind of like the uh, that poor actor that his name I just can't remember for the life of me. Even though I'm a diehard Star Wars fan, David Prowse is that it? Darth Vader? Oh. Prowse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. It's like, oh man, that guy really tried, and no one ever fucking knew. Mm-hmm. Same with the original V. Everything beyond that, though, I 
I think Hugo Weaving crushes it. I think even given the problematic parts of his character and his insane gaslighting and what have you, it's never the fault of Hugo Weaving. I think he sells the part that was written as well as it possibly could be sold. He did. Like all of his mannerisms, him fencing his the little tilts of his head, the inflection of his voice, all of it went together so well. He really encompassed a character and gave life to something that has no facial feature like expressions. He did such a good job that when you're staring at the mask, it still feels like it has facial features. Mm-hmm. At least in my opinion. Like I still felt like I was getting something from the mask. And that says volumes of how good he did with this role. Yeah. No, I I I agree. Uh, I, did, I didn't remember that watching that the first time. So coming to it again, I was very struck by his performance. And I also think what helped is seeing those times where he was fencing and being very um, uh, letting loose, for lack of a better way to put it. The character he actually put into it, I would have been like, no, if you told me that he wasn't actually in the suit for some of those. Because it's one of the few movies where I'm not thinking, that's someone else and it's just his voice. Like I said, I think it's mostly just because of Doom Patrol, and I'm expecting that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think he did a, a great job with that. And the, the only other scene that he wasn't in that I just want to bring up because it's fun um, is the scene where the, the guy walks out of the fire. That's I, I always thought that was special effects, like CG or something. No, that's an actual stunt guy, naked, in a thong. Um, <laughs> and they couldn't figure out a way to do it in a way that he wouldn't catch on fire. Uh, or they couldn't do it in a way that uh, he wouldn't be having some sort of suit on that would either catch on fire or would look fake or whatever. So the stuntman agreed just to be coated in anti-burn gel um, and oh, wear wow. ice-cold flame-retardant clothing all the way up until shooting. They shot on the coldest night they possibly could. It was negative three degrees out. <laughs> um, and he was just greased up in this anti-fire stuff and just walked through the fire. Oh, my That's God. That's amazing. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That is really awesome, yeah. He must have felt amazing. <laughs> See, that, that yelling was for joy. Like, this is amazing. I and, am so slippery. <laughs> and just to you know, take a, a moment to get up on my pedestal, hey, Academy, maybe some Academy Awards for stunt people. Just saying. Here, here. Um, it's hard. Is it, though? They're going to do most popular movie. Yeah, but I'm not good. Is it though? It's just like who do you give it to? The coordinator, the choreographer, or the performer? Do you have to? You're gonna have to have like five separate, ten separate categories. Or just do it like they do for special effects. Special effects, and all the artists technically won it. Mm. Yeah, there you go. Stunt team, there you go. Besides, or, Disney you know wants you know, more Academy heck. Awards anyways. They're gonna win it all for the Marvel movies. Mm. Just give it to them. All right, back <laughs> to V for Vendetta. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Hugo Weaving, I think he did a great job in pretty much every scene. And the thing that I like the most about Hugo Weaving, and it's a moment that the director tried. I think the director, I think the Wachowskis with their script and the uh, the producing or whatever, they tried. I don't think it worked. It's the moment after Evie's like, all right, so you tortured me for X amount of months while we're waiting for the fifth to show up so you could prove to me that I could live without fear. Um, fuck you, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Peace, I'm out of here. And she leaves. And V breaks down. It's like the only time you see him get emotional beyond any, with in any f- function beyond revenge. Um, right. Man, he'd be such a good member of the Revenge Society. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Venture Brothers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's the only moment where you see regret. And I think it's the time where he goes, 
I've been gaslighting the fuck out of this girl for months. And he has this thing of like, I fucked up. And they try to sell his legitimate grief and regret with him smashing the, the mirror me. with his mask. Uh, and he sits there and he sobs and he's just totally vulnerable and exposed. And then the next scene, he's right back to his old antics. I'm like, yep, you almost had it. Almost. You, you missed, almost missed the landing. Yeah, like it's like, okay, if he changed from here on out, we'd be good. But the only way that he changed is that now he just says, I'm only telling you the truth from now on. Hmm. Uh-huh. But that's uh-huh, what we sure, thought you were doing sure. to begin with. So how yeah. the fuck do I believe you now, V? Yeah. You never trust someone like that again. No. I mean, it's not like he's really in her life for very much longer anyways. But. No, that's true. But but that's what I mean. Like, they, I just don't think there's a way for them to stick the landing without them just never seeing each other again. She does leave him. She, she does. She agrees to see him for one day. And she's fine with him. Yeah. They have, like, a romantic moment. like And, like, they go dancing. And then she says, let's run away together. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. like there's no future here. And then she no. tries to kiss his mask. She does kiss his mask. Yeah. Like, oh, right, yeah, she does. So, yeah, I just, no matter how much they tried to show the regret, and Hugo Weaving sold the fuck out of the scene, the movie just isn't there to support it. Yeah. It's a little unfortunate. Eh. I have to read the book to see how that does or doesn't play in what Alan Moore intended. Yeah, I'd love to go back give it another shot if it's ever on the dc app i will read it again um right now it is not maybe when dc infinity launches in january it'll be on there hopefully fingers crossed i i think i've said pretty much everything i need to say about v for vendetta we we talked a little if i were to get into the legitimate politics of it i I think i'd have a heart attack right now um so i'm just gonna (laughs) we we briefly touched at the beginning i think that's all i can really do hopefully by the time you're listening to this things are at least on their way to being better and it's not just more of the same um but you know I just, I just, I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's jump into quotes. Quote, 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 quotes. Of the quote, unquote, quote types. I can go first because mine sure. is kind of on topic for what we were just talking about. And it's a, uh, it's a line from V and I, I think it's something that I wish was true. And uh, maybe at some point it will be. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Yeah, on paper, it's a good line, and Hugo Weaving performed the hell out of the line, so. Uh, I really liked the moment when she does walk out into the rain, and she says, God is in the rain. I like that line. I don't really know exactly why I like that line, but I do like it, the God is in the rain thing. And also in that scene, I liked the juxtaposition of how he was birthed through fire, but she is birthed through rain. You know. Ooh. But it's also raining when he was birthed, too. Was it raining? I think so. No, I don't remember. Yeah, but so, I thought it was... Uh, uh, well, hold on, no. Yeah. But he, he, he was still birthed through fire. He was definitely birthed through fire. You're absolutely right there. He was greased up for the fire, so... Yeah, he was, he was greased up for fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, there's a so, lot of quotes in this movie. Just, yeah. That one's always the one that stuck out for me. There, there's a bunch that I just knew I'd butcher, so I went for the one that I, I wouldn't butcher. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the one uh, when she's with... Um, Oh, what's his name? Stephen Fry's character. And she asks him if everything's a joke. And he's like, only the things that matter. <laughs> and I, I, I missed it the first time. And this time around, I was like, I kind of saw something a little bit in myself. Sometimes I'll joke about things that may be inappropriate that are a little bit morbid. Or I'll like that sort of humor that's maybe a little bit more doom and gloom. But it's because they matter. And I find some of my humor in that. And it was a, it was a nice line uh, for a very interesting character that I've forgotten about completely in this movie. 
Hmm. Yeah. I really wanted to do the line that I'm just going to not butcher. I'll butcher it. But it's basically the, uh, I wanted to point out the insanity of asking a masked man who he is. I can't remember the exact <laughs> line, but like that was kind of, that was always my favorite moment in the movie. She's it like, is. who are you? And it's like, it's a good point. Like, why would he tell you? He is wearing a mask. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just for fun's sake, though, I am going to attempt, oh, no, you know, his famous V's. Uh, <laughs> Viola, in view, a humble vaudevillian veteran cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no more veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished, however, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and is vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin vanguarding vice and vouchsuffing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. And then you carve a V into a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what is vicissitudes? I don't know. It's like, it's also right? voila, voila. Did I not? What you I said? Viola. Oh. <laughs> Who's this Viola character? Viola like? Davis. I'm anyhow. <laughs> the camera pans over to her. Like, you know what? what? The heck? When you say voila, there should be a W in there. <laughs> yeah. Voila. French. A uh, double features. <laughs> Who's ready for a double feature with V for vendetta? I don't know why I didn't think of one yet. Oh no! Uh, it's a tough one. I'll go. I'll go. I got one. Um, as we mentioned it before, and the reason I'm gonna pick it is because I got the same feeling when I watched them in the theater. Of eh, this was oh, oh, an interesting way to do an Alan Moore thing, and which Watchmen, the Watchmen movie. Uh, I didn't care for much for the movie for Watchmen, and when I when I saw it in the theaters, and I didn't care much for this one uh, when I saw it in the theater, and. This one hasn't aged well, and I'd be curious to see if Watchmen aged well. And so I figured this would be a great, really long double feature to go with. My double feature is a classic in the gallows of cult cinema. Death Race 2000. Okay. Because it is a movie about a masked man bent on vengeance. (laughs) <laughs> Except in the first ten minutes, he takes off his mask. Yeah, he takes it off like right away. Yeah, he takes it off right away because he, he doesn't see take David off Carradine. his hand grenade. You know he doesn't. <laughs> uh, but it's about a tyrannical, ty- tyrannical government who creates a game to keep the people in checked, in check. You know, instead of a virus, it's a race, cross country, whatever. Just you know, murder people while you're doing it. God, we should do a month on Roger Corman. That'd yeah. be an insane uh, month. <laughs> Oh, and man. he also has a female sidekick that really doesn't do much. He does. Yeah. You were right. <laughs> God, that is such a weird movie. It is. <laughs> Guess what's right. coming up on Behind the Hype? Death Race 2000. I mean, if we do a Roger Corman month, we definitely will do Death Race 2000. And then we'll also do his Fantastic Four movie. It's on YouTube. We can watch it. Um, <laughs> mine is going to be... Uh, I'm going to be a little mean, and uh, I'm going to say the best movie to watch this one with will be the movie that made Alan Moore go, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm out. So watch League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and V for Vendetta. Oh. That's the movie that also made Sean Connery go, fuck, fuck it, this, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> can we have, can we have a, a month of, like, fuck it, I'm out? League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, colon, fuck it, we're out. <laughs> I've watched that movie multiple times because each time i'm like maybe this time it'll be more fun 
It's just not a fun it's movie. It's not. Like, it should be fun. Like, if you're going oh. to get rid of all the, like, interesting Ellen Moore stuff, it should be campy. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's just remarkable. I left the theater dull. watching, uh, I left the theater for uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen <laughs> with the same feeling that I got from, like, when you eat uh, green beans from a can that are, like, a, a t- six hours old. Yeah, oh. you didn't even It's just like, up. oh, this should have been. I don't know what I was expecting when I went to this. Why was <laughs> it should have been better? It was not garbage though. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that'll be a good one. Leave extraordinary gentleman and V for Vendetta. It'll make V for Vendetta feel way better. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's move into the upcoming weeks. We'll say goodbye to V for Vendetta. Uh, upcoming weeks. We've all had time. I'm sure we've all picked our next Hugo Weaving movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chewie can go first because I'm pretty sure she had hers locked and loaded, right? Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. That's right. I've never seen it. And I've always wanted to. I believe the full title is "The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert." Oh. Just saying, gotta gotta be accurate here. I've never seen it either, and uh, I've always really wanted to, so I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, mine, I went a little bit of a different route. I was looking up like best Hugo Weaving movies, and the, you know, of course, Lord of the Rings, Matrix, all that shit pops up. Uh, and I'm like, eh, let's find something else. And I found a movie called Last Ride, which I'd never even heard of. Uh, it looks like a uh, super depressing movie, so I apologize in advance for us wow. watching that. Um, but it's oh. a, a man and his son on a road trip when the, the man is being hunted by the police for a quote-unquote violent crime, is all they had said. And uh, I watched the trailer. It looks fantastic. It looks like Hugo Weaving is amazing in it. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime, so that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know anything else about it, so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. That's mine. Last Ride. All right, all right. Well, I was thinking I was going to go with, see, because Lord of the Rings popped up, Matrix popped up, and I was like, yeah, but everyone talks about those. I want something that people were kind of like, eh, or missed. And I, I'm going to go with something called Mortal Engines, which I know nothing about. Oh, we finally going in blind. watched that. I finally can watch Mortal Engines. <laughs> yeah. Know nothing about it going in. No, he's in it. I double-checked to make sure that he was in it for more than like a scene or two. Looks like he is. But again, very blind. And all I know is that people were like, eh, with it. Fair enough. Uh, we actually have the Blu-ray for that because somebody lent it to us and we just have never gotten around to watching it. <laughs> so now, now we will. Now we will watch it. <laughs> All right. This is going to be an uh, interesting month. We have one that I know is good, one that I hope is good, and then another one. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> That's just the worst marketing campaign. Wait, have any of oh, us yeah. seen any of the movies we're going to be reviewing? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. No. Wow, that's a first. We're going totally blind for the whole month. I like this. It's yeah. going to be good. I hope. <laughs> this could blow up. Hugo Weaving, don't let us down. Uh, Hugo Weaving could have a Scarlett Johansson month of like, we know you have good movies. We just didn't watch them. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we not review them? <laughs> Hopefully it won't be the same. Uh, let's do a quick round of plugs. I have a, a very special one coming up tomorrow. Mm. No, not tomorrow. A week from tomorrow. As a matter of fact, uh, the Venture Brothers, uh, a.k.a. Welcome to Your Doom, are taking a little bit of a hiatus while Graham is off doing his big boy job. And uh, if you tune in last Monday, a few days ago, we did an episode on the miniseries V, uh, which Matt was super excited to talk about. Uh, So I watched the whole thing with him. Check out our episode on V. And coming up a week from Friday, we are doing... A ranking episode, ranking the entire fucking series. We're ranking the best killers, the best final girls, the best movies, the best kills. Friday the 13th, coming out on Friday the 13th. Special presentation from Welcome to Your Doom. 
Uh, we're having special guests on. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Be sure to check that one out. Uh, Friday the 13th, November, Friday the 13th, in the Welcome to You Are Doom feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it for me. Right. Nothing? Well, Superstore is on to their second episode, I think, Tonight. of this season. Yeah. Watch that. Just watch that. John? All right. Uh, Demon Days, the actual play podcast I dungeon master and produce. We're having a great time. And, uh, well, great time when I can get these episodes out, right? Uh, COVID, woo. Um, but, yeah, it's a great time. We're all having fun, and you should listen to it. Cool. All right. Cool, 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 cool. Cool, 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 cool. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Tune in next week when we do... Who's going to go first? We'll do Last Ride first. Now, that could be a very depressing movie in a very depressing time. We're going to do <laughs> Mortal Engines first. All right. <laughs> Tune in next week for Mortal Engines. Thank you, everyone. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.